0: 10. And welcome to LOP Radio AfterShock live. Immediately following WWE Survivor Series live from the is it the Amway Theater that's still in, aka the Thunderdome. And Survivor Series has just finished about 15 minutes ago. Uh, again, living in the UK. I'm not going to be as quick to get this live. <laughs> it's gonna, like give me a minute to like warm up <laughs> or whatever. And uh, yeah, also Survivor Series logo, just a bit too big for my. I normally put it in the middle, in between. So I got me, then I got the match cards for whatever and talking about or whatever. But nah, just, it's just a bit big. <laughs> so I'm going to put it at the top and immediately don't like it. So, oh well. It means nothing to you, uh, you uh, podcast listeners, because this will also be available in podcast form. Uh, yeah, uh, links in the description to head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net for the latest Wrestling Headlines news. But The Undertaker has just given his final farewell. There were no shenanigans. It was, it's one of those where I'm watching it and I kind of want it to be the final farewell. But I also know it's WWE, and I feel like I've seen about five Undertaker farewells. So it was as a kind of like as I'm watching it, I'm suspecting is the fiend going to come out? And for me, the ultimate moment was the Paul Bearer uh, AR thing. Like for me, the only AR thing is an augmented reality. The only thing that, the only one of those that they WWE have ever done that was any good, and it was fitting that it was for Paul Bearer. Doing his oh yeah, and then coming on. It's just yeah, it was used to perfection to hit that emotional beat. Just it's a really nice kind of tribute, and it it really really added to the whole kind of uh, feeling of it. And the dead man is gone, assumably. Uh, It's one of I hope this was because this was a fine farewell. It's it's one of because of course after WrestleMania where he faced Roman Reigns, there was a kind of such an emotion in the room where that would have been like such a fantastic way to say goodbye. Uh, but then we got it, uh, we've had a bit of a longer spree, so like, for me, this, this was done well. Obviously, it obviously absolutely sucks that the Undertaker said goodbye in front of no fans. Which, like obviously sucks, but like maybe like Bakker said, knowing that we are watching, we just can't physically be there, and obviously, yeah, again, obviously it sucks, but they had to, they, they piped in Undertaker chance compared to the live audience actually being able for the Undertaker to actually feel that emotion, so... Given the circumstances, obviously sucks, but has the Undertaker uh, officially retired? Is it? I felt like it was fitting if he has, But the the main event of Survivor Series, 30 years after his debut, and the kind of presentation it was, with uh, all of the names coming out first: uh, Shane McMahon, Big Show, JBL, Jeff Hart, Jeff Hardy, <laughs> for some reason, and Mick Foley, the Godfather, the Godwins. They're both bold now. Uh, Savio Vega even turned up. Makishi, Kevin Nash and his knees. Uh, Booker T, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Triple H, Kane in full gear. <laughs> Get in there, Glenn. It's just, uh, um, they were all gone when the take ticket actually came out afterwards, but I guess I wanted to show them paying their respects for the dead man. So it really built it up as like a when I say feel good, I don't know if feel good's the right way. For me, It when I said feel good, for me it was like a nice kind of trip down memory lane and it felt like a Good tribute to Taker. Uh, And again. Trip down memory lane is probably. A better way to put it. Because it's difficult to re-enact the emotion that I felt. I feel like after the Roman Reigns match. As in the first time I felt like I was watching Undertaker retire. And for me that's the only reason. I've not not got that same feeling. Because I've had that feeling before. And uh, yeah I can see other people will have that same feeling. I guess for me, with my own, like, I guess Undertaker memories, didn't start properly watching wrestling till 2005, so I've not got anywhere near the same level of feeling. But I, like, really got into The Undertaker when he was SmackDown champion in the noughties, when he was ruling that SmackDown brand, when he became, like, the guy on SmackDown, especially, I think, after Batista left as well, where he really did become, but I guess during it as well. Like, yeah. For me, that's my. Peak Undertaker memories when he was, like, that veteran guy leading SmackDown, essentially. And for me, I, to, I went back and watched the other stuff. Because, so, again, my, my wrestling fandom, the first thing I ever... Was I watched WrestleMania 17. So my first ever memory of The Undertaker is WrestleMania 17, watching him face Triple H as Biker Taker. So, and I heard he'd been this dead man gimmick, and they were talking, about calling him the dead man kind of things. So like was called The Undertaker, but it's this cool Texas bloke on a bike (laughs) so that was my first impression of the Undertaker because that's what he was when I was like finding out about wrestling would have been what nine when that show aired so it was yeah so I've got got very different memories of the Undertaker like first impressions and things and whenever I think of my favorite years of the Undertaker that is always my favorite just going back to that biker taker that's my that's my personal favorite Undertaker because again maybe maybe because that is the first one Maybe it's the Limp biscuit, the bike, the everything about it. It's so of its era, and that's the first time I ever saw him. So that's the thing I have such a strong memory for. Like, again, when he ke- comes back as The Undertaker in 2004, uh, obviously, I wasn't watching it at the time, but when I do go back and watch it, I don't have that same feeling because my first Undertaker is Biker Taker. Like, Biker-Taker, when Biker Taker came back for WrestleMania, I was <laughs> I was so into that. <laughs> it's was like, yes, Biker Taker, finally back. because That meant so much more to me. Because, again, I did grow up... and when I, when I In terms of wrestling, I grew up watching... And when I was properly finally watching wrestling, I grew up watching Undertaker as the dead man on SmackDown ruling the blue brand. Uh, so, so, yeah, I have, I have very different kind of memories. So, yes, I, And I have gone back and watched, and I can kind of see that. The attachments I would have, because especially when you go back and watch the old... Uh, especially the Attitude Era, he's like the linchpin for that show. See, he is not... The megastar. He is not always in like the main, he's not the main antagonist all the time, but he held that entire show together, and it's, you really see the importance of him, I feel like, in that era. Just what a massive kind of component he was. Uh, so, yeah. For me, it feels like it's, I feel like it's a, it's good like he's, fine, like he's kind of retired that like he got this moment. Because he didn't want, he has was that worrying feeling that it was, it was never going to happen. And obviously I don't know, in terms of like personal life I don't know him, just in terms of watching the show, as a fan, there were the constant jokes about The Undertaker never retiring kind of thing. So the fact that, you know, The theme doesn't appear, they don't set up an angle for WrestleMania, The Undertaker legitimately retires, gets his thing. As a fan, that's why it kind of is a feel-good moment, even though, you know, it's blatantly not a feel-good moment, somebody's retiring, a veteran's retiring, a legend of the sport. So, yeah. Uh, yes, it's a feel-good thing to kind of dip, dip back into your own memories of him, and a genuine farewell. So, uh, so, the actual thing played out with a big old video package going over his career, and how great he is with talking heads and the like. Uh, two Afterwards, two electric sound things, uh ah, I can't remember what they're, ah, uh, Tesla coils! <laughs> That's it, Tesla coils it were called. Uh, oh, uh, I can't really uh, run wild on people on Twitter not knowing that they were testicles generally doing the tune when uh, when I can't remember that they're called testicles. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, that, yeah, so anyway, they played Taker's theme before smoke filled the arena and for the next five to ten minutes of our life it was one final Undertaker entrance really soaking it in before one final Undertaker promo. And uh, personally, like they piped in the Undertaker chance, which for me that took away from it. But also I felt like the silence might have been deafening if they didn't play anything in terms of watching it back. Because um, when, when Undertaker's there, he's by himself. So it, ha- it, it, it hit so much more differently to him than it would to us. 'Cause to him it's it it looks like he's soaking in the applause of the fans. To him there was nothing. It would've been silence. That's kind of that's kind of like a crazy disconnect to kinda of think about for me. Like when especially when I'm what like this this is probably the biggest match that I've thought about it in I say match a segment on a do-do-we product since the Thunderdome. Like it's the first one where it's like, yeah. It would have been silence for him. That's kind of crazy for me to feel. Yeah, which again, which makes it more fitting that these music played back up. And they did the augmented reality hologram of Paul Bearer. Doing the oh yeah. Which was again so, so fitting. So good, so well done. It's fine. It feels good to applause the augmented reality. And it was done in such a tasteful way, way as well. There's a ten gong salute for the dead man. Before he made his way up the ramp for one last iconic pose. And Survivor Series Lego came up. And off he went. Like a genuine goodbye. Which like kind of. Caught me by surprise a bit. I was I was fully expecting an angle to be set up, but no, it was a it was a match. <laughs> it was not a match sorry. It was an actual goodbye, and I feel uh, I feel like for me as a fan, that's it turned like exactly what I kind of needed. Uh, it's always what I wanted from this segment. I didn't want an interference. I didn't want something to be set up. I did want to kind of celebrate the Undertaker, and they actually gave it me when I wasn't expecting it. I was just expecting it to be another match set up for a WrestleMania or something. Like a match against the Fiend. The amount of <laughs> comments and tweets about that's going to come out, isn't he? But as soon as Paul Bearer came up, I was like, it would feel a bit distasteful to do it now. Like you've you've hit all the right notes for this, just to be a genuine farewell and like a genuine goodbye. Uh, so. In the end, I was happy they didn't. And that's why I feel weird sitting here, just saying, trying to explain how I feel relatively positive after a legend farewell, which is odd. It's not really the emotions I should be feeling, but no, I feel happy for him. I don't know, I don't know, it's weird. It's a really weird feeling, which I'm way too tired to diagnose because it's 4 a.m. Yeah. Anyway, yes, The Undertaker has uh, given his final farewell at Survivor Series, marking 30 years after his initial debut, which is crazy as well. <laughs> I think it's been that long. Um, yeah. Anyway, and there was a pay-per-view before it. So I feel like 10 minutes is enough for talking about The Undertaker. But yes, it's one of the kind of reminisce and such. But the pay-per-view beforehand was also something that took place. <laughs> so, I'm going to go through the card. I'll do it in reverse order. Let's start for, start with the main event because for me this pay-per-view was a little bit um, hmm. I don't know, so up and down, I think I'd say. I enjoyed matches in parts. I thought both Survivor Series matches were a bit naff this year. But the uh, they they succeeded in parts, but the matches themselves I would still go as ah, they just both of them were a bit naff this year. But the main event, I really enjoyed Remembranceley McIntyre. And I really enjoyed New Day. I enjoyed of Sasha Banks as much as I could, given I've seen it 10, 20 times already this year. Uh, but they did another really, really good match. And so I enjoyed three of the matches, but because both Survivor Series was, were just a bit... Uh, and Lashley Zayn was just antics in a way. Uh, yeah, well, it was three matches I really enjoyed, three matches I just didn't. So it's like a 50-50, uh, and then you got your emotional farewell with The Undertaker. Uh, for me i'm really it's weird because after the roman Reigns Drew mcintyre thing it's like oh i kind of would have liked this to my event but then after the undertaker farewell it's like well nothing else should have really in reality uh it was a perfect final note to end the show anyway let's move on to drew mcintyre versus roman reigns don't know why i'm saying it in that voice but uh, that match Main event of the show, and it was a genuinely big feeling match, the WWE Champion versus the Universal Champion. If anything, a big match. It was a match that was so big, the only mistake here may have been not holding this off for like a massive WrestleMania bout. Like, for first time, massive deal. Like, seriously, these two characters colliding feels that big. Like, they've been built so incredibly well and strong. And uh, being on this of all shows, like... A pretty meaningless feeling show for me with this massive match towards the end of it. Like, not even the final note as the... It wasn't even the final note because, of course, we had the Undertaker's farewell, which was the final beat. Um, again, which, again, if you got both of those on the card and you're organising the card, for me that was the right decision. Because the fact they were both on the same card in the first place, which is like, hmm, it's interesting that you've, you know, you've not held this off. A Big muscly beard boys throwing fists, a slow start but with an intensity to it, so even though it was slow, for me I, I was like, I can see this is building to something and it's going to kick into gear. Roman was controlling a lot, but Drew with the mighty big strong comebacks uh, kicking it into gear. Uh, big meaty meat clobbering each other, uh, in the end flat out exchanging signature blows countering claymores with superman punchers, an awesome spear reversal into a, I've described it as like a Kimura lock type thing, just because I don't know what the hold is, but it was into an awesome wrenching arm thing, which looks awesome as hell as Drew wrenched back on the wrist. Uh, Drew chucked reins overhead multiple times as well, thrown about more than anyone else has since returning as a Tribal Chief. Drew McIntyre was put over really strongly here, and I'm all for it. Both lads came out looking re- like strong as hell. The Samoan fighting back at ringside countered a Charging Scott into a Samoan drop onto the announce desk, which didn't break. Oof, all the tablets and things still on there for the announcers. So oh, that, well, that wouldn't have been comfortable. The second time was enough though. Into Finisher City for the climax, spear through the barricade with a kick out. Spear in the ring, kick out again as the commentators go ballistic. Uh, both lads, again, coming out of this bit, just looking strong as hell as they keep going through whatever the other person's throwing at them. Calling for a third spear when Drew flew in with the Claymore, but Roman crashed into the ref. Jey Uso with the run in, low blow to Drew from Reigns, capitalising on that chaos as Drew was fighting off Jey Uso. And into that guillotine lock to drain the life out of McIntyre, who seemed to show a bit of a fight back, but by the time, but he, yeah, he never got out of the hold. So even though he looked like he could fight back, by the time he was just drained again, the referee was back in the ring and was like, oh, this is it, he's gone this time. Really good stuff, yet again. I, feel like, I say yet again, it's like it's Roman Reigns thing for me, where I feel like they've been absolutely solid. And it's one of those, uh, I described it on Twitter as this is one, like 100% a WWE main event match. Where it's uh, the king of sports entertainment. <laughs> where you just got the announce tables, barricades, finisher, crazy endings and all. As in, yeah, this is, it just was. It was a feeling, coming out of it was a feeling of the, similar feeling to the, what was it, Edge, R- Edge, Randy Orton match. I can't remember what the tagline was. Greatest match of all time. It was the greatest match ever. This is because the, they had the greatest showman. <laughs> but when it's through all of the WWE's what they consider like the greatest tropes of a wrestling match, I'm putting every single one of them into a match, and I was watching this one again. I was just ticking off just the stuff I was saying. Is that? But I I enjoy that stuff. You can totally see if you're a. Um, Especially for more into like a different style. If you're a bit down in the WWE main event style, this was a WWE main event match. <laughs> and it had all the stylings and all the tropes of a WWE main event match. I personally loved it. And I, again, it had a slow start. But for me, that built something. I don't need my thing to always be going at, the, at an incredible rate of knots if it's clearly building to something. Which is mainly my biggest issue with WWE. My biggest thing is when I'm watching filler, it's not building to anything it's not going anywhere i can't stand filler especially since i'm doing the reviews for like war on smackdown and sometimes they contain filler and it's just a little bit irritating but yeah i really like this match i thought the main event was great both and most importantly both guys came out strong they elevated drew to like a main event guy it made roman Reigns was kind of crowned as the guy in wwe but Drew McIntyre was crowned as a close second and the only reason Roman Reigns won was because Jay Russo Jey Russo Jey Uso interference and a low blow and then he gets in the guillotine lot like it wasn't uh, just fighting back and hitting a spear type type of thing he generally he generally had to cheat to beat him and I like that and of course during that thing you're telling the story of Jay Uso and Roman Reigns with the whole family you're, you're establishing that again <laughs> it's just uh, one of my favourite stories in wrestling right now is the way where that's building. It's, it's something where I hope that it's definitely going somewhere. Like it's building to something. It's establishing something because I'm I'm all for it right now. Like you know, the Roman Reigns as the Tribal Chief really really rate that character. So yeah. Also a bit of I guess a positive. Yes, the show ended up being like about three and a half hours long. But you got to take a farewell. Like the main card is about three hours, and I'm still, I'm still in the zone where I just expect like SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and the Rumble. I just go in expecting them to be four hours. But this show only had six matches on the card, which is just yes, just (laughs) allow things to flesh out. I can actually grow them. Which it's a shame when you get to the Survivor Series matches, because they like a shorter card, you kind of have the ability to stretch things out. So I go from a major positive, how much that I just simply enjoyed Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton, and then I end up with the Survivor Series traditional 5-on-5 Team Raw versus Team Smackdown. And, yeah, I did not enjoy this match anywhere near the same level that I enjoyed the Drew McIntyre-Randy Orton match. I've started on a peak. I've started on trying to explain my, my happy feeling with the Undertaker retirement, which, again... I don't... Yeah. For like full paragraphs, we'll, i maybe figure out how I'm feeling, but I don't know if I'll, I'll figure it out. And then there's the Drew McIntyre Van Dior. Van Dior. Orton. As he faced there are so many times, I just assume he's faced Van Dior. Drew McIntyre Roman Reigns, which I thought was a fantastic main event. With two big lads clobbering each other, and then the ultimate one who would win at all costs is perfectly happy to cheat to win. Yeah. I... It's a positive. So let's go to a bit of a river a a, a down. The Women's Traditional Survivor Series Elimination Match. Team Raw. Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce and Lana. Uh, lots of recaps beforehand of Lana going through the announced desks. Was it a foreshadowing or a MacGuffin? Both, <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> Team Smackdown. Bayley, Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan and Natalia. The story of one team completely together with Bailey as a genuine like, captain getting all the gang and with are all working. They're tagging in, there's actual teamwork. Uh, the other team over on the red side divided under the refusal of cohesion by the women's tag team champions. Just complete refusal to work with anybody. That no, we're the best, you follow our thing, our leadership. They completely different vibes on them and I really like that. And uh, by Bel Air, got a great showcase in this match. I'm not talking about just at the end, but at the start of the match as well. I feel like that's something that will just get overlooked and forgotten, but she got a really nice flurry. uh, I guess at the start of when it was just her, and at the start of the match, when everybody was in. So a great little showcase for her. Like, really, there was just something about the way that they booked the SmackDown Women's team when all five of them were there. For me, they were the only team of the night that generally felt like... A team, (laughs) because again, the SmackDown one had the Seth Rollins sacrifice. I guess Team Raw was all about how they don't really get along. Then Team Raw for the women's is the same thing that they don't get along. So it's only one team that were tagging together, working as a team, and felt like a team. I guess it was more of even though their egos were clashing, in the end it did work out for the men's side. But we'll get to theirs eventually. Uh, Peyton Royce took a lot of offense in the early going, and uh, the blue side put over really strong until your normal Survivor Series chaos kicks in, and they uh, got Peyton Royce and Bailey as the two legal competitors. Uh, Bailey ended up getting suplexed out to the outside off the top, and didn't get caught by anybody. Somehow, every competitor was out there apart from Lana. You know, a key point about Lana in a second, but yes. Yeah, she uh, paid for a suplex Bailey onto the crowd, and somehow the crowd just parted. <laughs> there's the red side and there's the blue side, and somehow they, they suplexed Bailey backwards into the pile, and Bailey just landed on her ass. <laughs> just like, oh, that's, how did that even happen? And then he watched the replays, they somehow just parted. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand how that happened, but oh, that must have been painful. And that led into a surprise elimination as the Peyton Royce pinned Bailey back into the ring. like, so, oh, okay then. But it felt, it was weird. I felt like that should have really been put over as a massive deal. As in, Bailey has ran SmackDown for the past year. And to not put that elimination over as like the star of this match has just been eliminated. Like personally, that's a really weird decision to make <laughs> to do that. But okay, I guess it's because the ending, you can't do that ending with Bailey that they did. Or you have to get her eliminated earlier, later in the kind of kerfuffle, but here with a genuine surprise. Mm. But it, it was paired with another Survivor Series booking trope that I'm not a fan of. It, you see it in Battle Royals quite often as well. Uh, it's the don't get momentum in a Survivor Series match rule. As in, you do a thing, you get a big amount of momentum, you get eliminated. The person that got the momentum off of you. They do some stuff, then they get eliminated. Then the person after that, and he's like, Oh, how am I? You're not building any momentum for anybody <laughs> because as soon as they do something, it's like, Right, you've got your crap in now, now you can get eliminated. Now it's time for the other person to get the stuff in. <laughs> Just like, I'm not getting invested. The people you'll get, you can't get invested in any of the characters whilst they're doing that. But they were telling the overarching story of the breaking relationship obviously between Nia Jax and Lana. Lana. ordered to just stand on the steel steps for the entire match not do anything not get in if she stood there the entire match obviously just not happy she wasn't there for when Bailey was suplexed onto everybody because Lana was just on the steel steps for the entire match and I felt like right is Lana gonna get frustrated and tag herself in and that's when we get Nia Jax and Lana and Nia Jax puts her through the announce table or something like that like no she never tagged in she just stayed there and when we get to the ending, that's kind of why I feel like it's a little bit weird. But yes, yeah, so, don't get momentum in a Survivor Series match, Peyton. A sharpshooter from Natalia locked in to eliminate the one with the sudden momentum following eliminating the biggest star in the match. Uh, don't get momentum in a Survivor Series match, Natty. <laughs> Sharpshooting, a non-legal competitor for some reason. Uh, Lacey Evans with a women's right to the Canadian. And a... Big old Spanish fly from Evans. Have have got Evans versus Bel Air. I personally like this little matchup here. Uh, off of the top rope, which was great. Taking both women out and giving us a short run of Baser and Jax versus the Riot Squad. We've got to see their chemistry on display once again. The bigger competitors against the smaller competitors. Uh, Shayna, uh, one little thing. Uh, the Riot Squad hit their... I've called it their finisher, but it's more... It was felt like two signature moves. Cause there's something about the Riot kick, which feels more like... a. Like a signature move, than natural finisher. Like it's like it's a weak finisher. I don't mean that in a it's bad. I mean that because it's still flashy as hell, and pretty cool. But it it's being sold like it's weak. Case in point, they hit uh, Liv Morgan hit her kicky knee thing, and that it went into uh, Ruby Riot's Riot kick, and then Nia Jacks kind of just fell and tagged. <laughs> it's like I mean I'm not gonna buy the Riot kick as a super, as that a deadly a finisher or move when Nia Jax kind of stumbles into a tag after getting hit by it. It's not, <laughs> it doesn't quite hit the same. Uh, but yeah, so that happened. But we've got an awesome little uh, little run of Shayna Baszler dominance. Uh, locking in the Califida clutch on Ruby Riot, And Ruby rolled, flipped over backwards to uh, lock in a pin instead. But the referee was distracted. And by the time he got over, uh, Ruby Riot. Only got a two count, and by that time she was out cold. Because she flips over that entire time. Yes, Shane and Base's shoulders are down. But Ruby Wyatt's pinning her the entire time. So pinning her the entire time. She flips over for the pin. She's in the hold the entire time. <laughs> I accidentally emphasised the start of the sentence. <laughs> it's a good one. It, no. Flipped over. Yes, she had the shoulders down. But she was also being choked out still by the hold. And when the when Shane and Basa kicked out, Ruby Wyatt was out. And it's like, personally uh I feel like I enjoyed that In fact it's a type. I feel like it's a type of thing because I've been doing a lot of streaming on tw- twitch recently I feel like it's a type of thing where if I was trying to concentrate on two or three things at once it might have felt a bit convoluted because I'm writing notes whilst doing this so I get that feeling sometimes as well but it, yeah it was for me I like that <laughs> it was like yeah, it's one of those, for one of those yeah of course kind of moments and then she got pinned because she was choked out, and she lost because Nia Jackson was actually the referee, so he got good teamwork between Jackson and Baszler as well, so yeah, that was alright. Liv Morgan then ran wild, because of course Bianca Bello was still recovering from the Spanish fly and Morgan went wild with a damn impressive spree uh, kicking both Jackson's Evans down and surprisingly swinging up and rounds into a crucifix pin for an elimination to Lacey Um, yeah, Liv Morgan looked really impressive in this bit, in this short burst that she got she looked great uh, but you ain't escaping Jackson Baszler. Uh, Belair also unable to make the save as Morgan is eventually just pinned. Uh, yet again, Smackers ending up for the second Survivor Series match of this card. Dammit D'Lo, ending up with the one on their lonesome. On this occasion it was Bian- Bianca Belair, the, ro- the one running wild, trying to survive. Right until a beautiful handspring caught into the cow clutch. Uh, Bianca refused to die, then did die. But onto the ropes, <laughs> gotta let go, Shayna. Shada is in an irate state and doesn't let go. And locks the hold back in and gets DQ'd, making her even more irate, <laughs> shouting at the referee. And eventually, and that's feel like that's a bit of time for Bianca to recover because Jacks then goes right. I'm just going to put her through the announce table. Uh, but that's enough time for Bianca Belair to wait back up and push her into the steel steps instead. The two kind of brawl over ringside and. Right to the finish, finish we go. <laughs> Belair lifts Jax over the barricade in an impressive feat of strength, but was unable to beat the 10-cow and get back into the ring in time. So, gets eliminated, and your final survivor is Lana. Stood on the steel steps the entire time, <laughs> then just won after a double count-out. Yay. <laughs> I mean... They didn't have Bianca get pinned or submit. They made her look strong. She only just didn't make it back. So that's a plus. But like seriously, this was one of the shitter ways <laughs> to, book the, to book the Lana wins without looking that strong thing. Like for her to actually... Because, again, the jarring bit for me is afterwards Lana shouting out... Kind of shouting at Naya because Lana is responsible for Raw winning but she didn't do anything. So as a hero babyface for us to get behind, Lana didn't do anything heroic. <laughs> she stayed back like the big buddy was saying. And because of that one, yeah, she, didn't, she didn't she didn't in terms of like a television, in terms of telling a story, in terms of uh, the way Lana celebrated afterwards, like she had proven a point or something. But Lana didn't do anything. She didn't <laughs> That's the kind of contradicting thing of they had her be like, Look, I I told you, I showed you, look, I am of worth time thing, I you the reason War won is because of me. But she, in action in the match, she literally stood in the background and did nothing. So it doesn't quite gel. <laughs> she didn't prove anything. So as a babyface he he can't get behind her as a character to cheer cheer kind of in that way. Because she didn't... Is Every other way I saw proposed was she scored a pin somehow. She may... Again, she may have been knocked out. She may have... She may be looping. She may just happen to score a surprise pin. But she was still acting and doing something. She was... She was causing the action. But no. <laughs> it caused no action. <laughs> she was just a prop just there. And then it was called... The, for me, that's kind of White Falls Flat. You can't then have her shouting at Nia Jax about look I wore, now won because of me <laughs> when when she caused no action she wasn't a character involved in what was happening she was just a bystander and then started celebrating afterwards yeah did I thought that was an awful finish <laughs> and to be fair the finish could have because it felt like, again it was a match that felt like it was building to something and you're like well it's, it's Bianca Belair at the end maybe Bianca Belair does beat Nia Jax and then finally Lana's got to come in but she can't Beat Nia Jax, or can't beat Bianca Belair. Or the other proposal was Lana does score a pin, but then she got a face Bianca Belair. So she can't, and she just can't overcome someone of that amount of talent. That's personally what I would have gone with. <laughs> but no, uh, the Lana, th- yeah. There were, there were better ways to do it. Lana can score a surprise pin, even on Bailey. That person. Like, again, you could have Bailey go all the way to the end, and then you have a Lana surprise pin. But again, you can't do this specific ending with Bailey because you're going to get the exact same reaction. It's no better. It's, yeah. Anyway, th- yeah. <laughs> a match that could have been building somewhere, but the ending was absolutely awful. <laughs> it just completely just destroyed the match for me. It's <laughs> a really bad ending. That's what, yeah. Anyway, let's get to a good match. Not the 24-7 Championship. Literally, not all capitals I've just written, do I cover the 24-7 Championship? Three question marks. <laughs> it's just like, uh, 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 uh crumbs our truth, he's champion again. Al was there. <laughs> I didn't watch it because I was busy writing, do I cover this? <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, let's, let's do the Raw, let's do the Women's Championships. Let's do that one. That was a really good match. So, we got the Raw Women's Championship. So, back up, in terms of reviewing this as an up and down roller coaster show, I think it does just go uh oh uh, <laughs> and then match i loved match i uh, didn't gel with me match i loved. match i didn't gel with me kind of like rinse and repeat so the raw women's champion versus the smackdown women's champion asuka versus sasha banks it's let me actually just change the image for this on the youtube thing it is Eh. Yeah, there we go asuka versus sasha banks it is if i can just bloody get the thing back up yeah it's great to how banks has lost none of her boss attitude since turning face like making the match a trip back to the 2020 familiar but at least a tad different than the past ten or so from this year especially with sasha banks in a babyface role it was it was a different dynamic to the same match we've seen maybe double figures at this point the askers compared to asker. Asuka's literally been in limbo since the draft whilst Sasha's been in a great swing of reinvention uh, so it's Sa- giving Asuka something to do of note even though she's in limbo I'm when I go watching Raw I don't see a way to get her out of limbo because they need to because they're in the like the women's tag team world at the moment and the biggest women's storyline is Nia Jax versus Lana who faces Asuka the one in the tag scene the only one I can think of is Naomi but she's not turned up on Raw yet I don't know if she's I don't know if she's like not available for whatever means. Again, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic. I don't know if that's responsible. If that's the thing that's responsible, sorry. But yeah. Anyway, the match itself, yeah, it's Ascuta Sasha Banks. I would be raving about this if I hadn't seen it like nine times already. <laughs> Over the course of the summer. Um yeah, again, so damn smooth together, like a really quick back and forth. Like, very even, as they both tried to find a way into their own submissions. Asuka finally- Hello Jerry in the chat. Asuka finally breaking through after a ringside brawl. Sasha jumping off the barricade, ending up caught into a codebreaker. The transitions and counters between the two are so damn great. A real near fall after a devastating codebreaker, as Sasha was draped over the second rope. <laughs> that looked uh, awesome as hell. The ending was so incredibly quick, counter after counter, reversal after reversal, at an absolutely insane pace. The two attempting to catch the other in a pin and doing so fast and smooth as hell. After like bloody great transitions one after the other, eventually Sasha rolled Asuka down and cradled both legs to definitely secure the pin. Yeah, <laughs> yet another fantastic Asuka vs Sasha Banks match. Is it... Any better... I feel like the last match I watched between them was very similar and even had an ending sequence just as good as this. Where it was just the back and forth, like, what is it going to take? Because they're doing absolutely amazing transitions into attempted pins and and moves and stuff. But then the other person is then just doing the same thing back and it just gets quicker and quicker until you end in that final sequence. And of course, they're so damn smooth together as well. That's part of the impressiveness. It's not just the speed. It's how... I wouldn't say clean, because it's one of those where... I wouldn't describe it as sloppiness either. There's just a little bit of there's enough, I'll say, manoeuvre fumble, which makes it feel a bit more realistic. Because if it's too clean, then it feels rehearsed. It didn't feel rehearsed. There was just enough wobble in there, where it kept it in that realism bracket. But it was a really, really good match. And it's again, the issue is not really much more to say. It's like yeah, this show overall to me felt pretty meaningless with the Undertaker retirement at the end, or the Undertaker farewell, I'll call it that. The Undertaker farewell, and the Roman Reigns Drew McIntyre match. like Those two tacked on at the end, for me, yeah, they were like really good, but the rest of the show, the other five, the main bulk of the show, for me never justified its existence. I think it's the best way to put it. It, yeah, it never gave me a reason for why it exists. Therefore, I didn't really care about the stakes, didn't really feel like there were any stakes when Drew McIntyre vs Roman Reigns happened, come kind of for me at like a case in point on the level of stakes. They didn't even mention what the SmackDown versus Raw scorelines were. I don't even think they were ever mentioned on the show. So it's a battle for brand supremacy where the team who gets the most wins earns that brand supremacy. It didn't even track it. <laughs> so it's that little importance. Again, I was fine with the final note, but the bulk of the show, I just didn't care. <laughs> I enjoyed matches. I just wasn't invested in anything, really. Uh, I can. That's my. That's my. To be fair, that was my kind of recommendation for watching WWE: of don't get invested. You just get screwed over. But this year, they've done a lot better of a job of you know this consistency thing, or at least having a story which continues and uh, characters don't suddenly shift things to fit the plot. They, they don't shift characteristics to fit the plot of that next storyline. No, they are the same characters, and they work and they fit. And that's what made Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns really work as well. They're these two characters have been built really, really well, and they're clashing. Yeah, but yeah, Asuka Sasha Banks. We've seen them wrestle a hell of a lot. This was a really good one, and I thought the ending was bloody fantastic. So, yes. Uh, final three matches. I, I, I mean, I've got the pre-show kick-off thing on here as well. Don't know if that added anything. Don't even know if it counts. <laughs> But uh, before we got the Intercontinental Champion versus the United States Champion, so for me this is, I've had the massive up of McIntyre versus Orton, then uh, also McIntyre versus Reigns, then the down of the women's Survivor Series match, then the up of Asuka Sasha Banks, and back down with Sammy Zayn Bobby Lashley, with the hurt business, and like the I, I did like. Visibly, just at the start, the difference of the two being so visible as uh, Zane's out on his lonesome just yapping about and then Lashley, silently, he is out with every one of his suit-clad friends. <laughs> I just really like that visual. A smart move from the business, their presence all over ringside to completely cut out any chance of Zayn's known cheeky tactics, which did mean there wasn't that much of a match as that angle played out. This match was that angle playing out. You know, Zayn still tried all the shenanigans to outsmart his, the opposition wrestler, but he overplayed his hand in the end, constantly trying one thing after the other. In the end, after failing to take off the turnbuckle pad, uh, thanks to Cedric and Shelton, Zayn tried to trick the ref, falling over MVP's ankle and claiming like crazy for a DQ. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that spot. That <laughs> thought it was great. It's like he's, he's desperately trying... Smart tricks, a trick to outsmart the opposition, like one after the other. Doesn't care how he gets that win. If he gets that win, that's the important thing. But the ref bought none of it. But when he had to focus on Lashley's outburst to it all, he he, the referee then missed MVP throwing Sami back into the ring. Who turns around in disgust and right into the Hurt Lock this time. No escape or trick for Sami Zayn, and he is gone. He is out. Uh, The Hurt business successfully. Get the win. Bobby Lashley poses with his big muscles <laughs> on the turnbuckle. Sami Zayn irate at Corey Graves. He's like, did you see the injustice? Did you see it? Uh, yeah. I, I like Sa- Sami Zayn's character. Is something diff- you don't get to see how amazing a wrestler he is. But he do- he's like a perfect TV character in a way. The way he wrestles is like perfect he- like heat in a way. Where he's going to be doing absolutely everything he can to Cheat he, and he doesn't really, yeah. And his moves will be like punches and things rather than flashy kicks or fight backs like he used to do. Yeah, I feel like he's really fit into this character, especially like since he's returned. I'm really, really, really enjoying him as intercontinental champion. Uh, I feel like his time's coming up soon, though. I doubt we'll go into WrestleMania as champion. <laughs> I could doubt it. So got TLC coming soon, that could work. They've just done a ladder match, it was received well. Does that mean you just do it again? <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, but, yeah, anyway. the uh, Now, back back to enough. Um, another positive. The Raw Tag Team Champions versus SmackDown Tag Team Champions. New Day versus the Street Profits. Uh, New Day, not only with Big E again for the night, but also in their custom Gears of War armor. Like, Firstly, that, that is so great to see that. Street Profits with a lengthy promo of their own, so the three of them could realistically do, get it all off. <laughs> a lot of Armor it probably took a while to take off. That's how Big E just disappeared. Maybe he took the armor with him. There, yeah, we came up with him, and then off he pops. Not booked for Survivor Series when, presumably, there was like big stuff in the works for him. Not anymore. Like honestly, I was so far more invested in this match than I was the men's five on five opener. Like this was when I got into the show, or at least for the first time I got into the show. A nice gradual elevation too. Like after the men's tag like rattled through the eliminations, the pace of this was great to see. Uh, like the perfect spot for it, like to genuinely get you invested in something after the opening turned into like a it was just a big swerve and ended up finishing at a pelt's pace. <laughs> if anything, the first half of this tag match, um it, it it gave everything it could to lift the street profits to New Day's level, a run of great spots in there too. Ford running up uh, Dawkins with the sliced bread was nice. <laughs> Great little story note afterwards too, with a New Day hitting the midnight hour, but that was the tag move Big E normally hits with them. So without him, it wasn't as effective. I, I just like the meta story <laughs> being told by them doing that move and commentary putting it over as, well, normally Big E does that move. Yeah, so without him, not as effective. It's like, y- yes, all the thumbs up for that. Uh, the match really picked up with a slew of close falls in the final kind of closing minutes. Uh, Ford's fantastic fog splash came oh so close. Uh, Kofi tried to swing back, but Ford was the one to hit the trouble in paradise. It's got a really, it's young, awesome. Xavier uh, Woods with the gutbuster—it was also really impressive. Which followed uh, onto who did he hit that on? I think that was just Ford. Uh, what an awesome run of final minutes this became elevated really really well uh, Kofi back on top and he was calling for the trouble in paradise of his own doing the clap in the corner but Dawkins grabbed his ankle from the outside and the swing of momentum swung right back to the Street Profits with that in the end, Kofi got caught and in the end Woods was trying to do some offence around the tag team of Dawkins and Ford the numbers the game caught Woods and whilst he's on Brett's rope Ended up getting lifted up by high by Dawkins for Ford to fly over with an awesome elevated blockbuster for the win. Fantastic match, and uh, yeah, I didn't want to give a like beat by beat for that one, but it did, especially those final minutes when it started hitting those sequences like really, really good. And uh, I won't put it up there. Like New Day Shield was what I was thinking of as in, like a Survivor Series tag team match where when you're watching it, it feels like there's something at stake. And like, because again, that was my main issue with Survivor Series overall, was like, but by the time we'd gotten to Roman versus Drew, I felt like this pay per view hadn't justified its existence, which was a bit of a shame. But that said, there were good matches in there, good competitive matches, and for me, this tag team match was maybe the one which got over the real, like, real competitive nature of uh, the back and forth stuff. I mean, Drew versus Roman was a massive brawl. But this was... This was great. <laughs> really, really good. Yeah. Another one where, again, if you're selectively listening to this for some reason, to choose what matches to watch on the show. For some reason listen to this, not watch the show. Yeah. Watch the tag team match. <laughs> Which doesn't limit it down with a show with, a, with quite a few tag team matches on it. Oh, yeah. The Raw versus SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Obviously. New Davis Street Possible's was good. One of the most foreseeable things on this show <laughs> was this tag match being good. But yeah. So a quick drink of water before I do one more down. Mm. It's a boring version of the Millie Report where it's three ups, three downs. Don't really know how to feel. But <laughs> like overall, yeah, overall didn't, uh, if, uh, yeah. So if I do, because normally when I do a review of a show, I don't give like a rating or a number, but it's more like a, a phrasal sentence for me that sums it up. And for me it would be, didn't just justify his existence. Especially as a brand versus brand show, it didn't justify its existence. And as I, saw, as I started saying at the start of the show, for me, filler is the kind of worst thing in WWE. That's my number one pet peeve, is feeling like they're just wasting my time. And this perfume didn't justify his existence. But it had matches that I genuinely enjoyed. The uh, tag teams versus each other, women's champions versus each other, and the men's champions versus each other. Enjoyed all three of them. Didn't like the mid-card one, Sam Reza Bobby Lashley. Didn't like either Survivor Series match. Yeah. Or the Battle Royal. Battle Royal had a great final too, which I'll get to in a second. (laughs) But yeah, that's why I feel like this pay-per-view just wasn't that great. I saw some people calling it the worst pay-per-view that WWE put on. Like, is this uh, this is up there for worst pay-per-view they've done. I'm just like, <sighs> it just didn't justify his existence. It wasn't a bad pay-per-view. It was just a bit... <laughs> it's just a bit... Uh, uh, but it had its moments. But again, when I really enjoyed half the card, it, I can't call it the worst thing ever. For worst show ever, it's got to like actively damage, and you generally you don't like anything on it. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, the opening match of the show... Because I'll I'll talk about the pre-show quickly afterwards, but the men's traditional Survivor Series elimination match opened the show. It was like, oh, we're going to open it with quite a pace. That's that's interesting. We'll see we'll see how that goes. That's not really what happened. We opened with a swerve angle. Hmm. So if you're going to do a swerve angle, so this is my like review of the traditional Survivor Series matches on this show. If you're going to do a big a Survivor Series match like this and it's got a swerve angle. Then your second Survivor Series match can't can't also have a swerve angle. Because. <laughs> yeah, you feel like you You feel like you've been cheated out of seeing the proper five on five kind of uh, awesome clash. You feel like you're getting somewhat cheated out of it twice. If you do it one for me, it's like a limit of one per shot. I'm not against totally doing it. But the reason I'm now because when I was watching it, I, was, I saw some people were like, really down on this men's match. I thought, you know what? It doesn't normally happen. I'm fine with it. We, at that time, I was like, we've got another Survivor Series match going on to later, later in the show. I'm not going to throw my toys at the pram yet. We'll wait and see. But then after the women's one, which also had s- swerve angle. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Right then. That's, uh, that's a shame because <laughs> that then means this, they both had swerve angles which then lowers my rating for the men's match quite a bit uh, yeah but yeah so Team Raw was AJ Styles Matt Riddle Keith Lee Braun Strowman and Sheamus uh, notes for the men's: Big Bahin with his pay-per-view blazer <laughs> looking all swag and smart AJ Styles still carries himself as if he's the captain and I love that little dynamic and Keith Lee with his new theme back to the world where he sings on his own entrance theme like Nice knowing you, generic rock theme. (laughs) We've got our Lee back. (laughs) Finally, it's all together. He's still having to wear a onesie. or not a onesie. um, The wrestling onesie, whatever it's called. (laughs) Whatever that is. But uh, yeah, uh, at least he's got him singing on his track again. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and Team Smackdown was Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, Otis, King Corbin and Seth Rollins, but only for a bit. So uh, AJ Styles, led by for his for Force team, and Jey Uso represented his. But it was Seth Rollins' decision that decided this match's fate right off the back. His decision to get Becky News pregnant. <laughs> Offering himself to be sacrificed to a bro kick of Sheamus? Uh, in kayfabe, no idea why this character did this. I mean, in reality, as I just... Inserted the little gag for when I kind of just waited for this bit. Like we all know in reality why, why he's why he's done this, like why he's going. Like because we know in real life his wife Becky Lynch, the baby's going to be due soon, so he's going to go busy be a dad and help out with that. But in story within the world, what we've seen on the telly box, there there are no answers to this because it's kind of come out of nowhere. Also, when you're pushing as brand supremacy, it's really really important. And this is the first elimination on the show is somebody giving themselves up to be eliminated and screwing his team over. You've like this is the point where you're meant to be painting it. <laughs> That's important. Uh, brand supremacy, this warfare really matters. Immediately off the bat, somebody just sacrifices themselves and screws over their team. That's the very first thing that happens on the show. <laughs> which, again, which is why I felt like New Day Street Profits was the absolute perfect match to put on afterwards because you saw a match where both teams really cared. And they gave it their all for the entire match. And it's like, oh, so that, that was the Raw versus SmackDown, the kind of proving yourselves against this other team. That's where that kind of, yeah, it clicked a bit more. But this was like, they needed to rebuild that feeling because this match just destroyed it <laughs> right off the bat. Uh but is it's is, is it one of the things which could be intriguing but like again in reality we know he's going to help he's going to help look after a newborn soon. So it's just not gonna be there for a while. So but it's a really weird way to do it. <laughs> Plus somebody picked up I think it was Alex McCarthy of BT Sport and other places. Uh Russell talk <laughs> There we go, I remember the names of other places. Uh yes, yeah, so he pointed out on Twitter that Seth Rollins has said he will never wrestle Matt Riddle. He has absolutely no desire to do so. Uh, and he's kept to his word getting eliminated right off the bat by Sheamus. <laughs> so yes, he still has 100% never wrestled Matt Riddle. All right, this counts. Uh, but yeah, hopefully this is something that gets actually answered instead of ignored when he returns. We don't want some uh, who took out Samoa Joe in the parking lot. <laughs> no, I don't want that. No, 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 no. I like I like some, uh, what, why did he turn himself to a martyr? Will we even get an answer on SmackDown beforehand? Or is this kind of the killing off something and he gets taken out? Anyway, yeah, we got uh, we got some nice face-ups in this match. Uh, we got Keith Lee versus Otis <laughs> as we cry. Ah, oh, just imagine if that was Big E instead. Keith Lee and Big I uh, uh, I was excited for Keith Lee versus Biggie, like doing the, the, like, oh, the beef, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> the Biggie's dream of meat slapping meat. <laughs> but no, yeah, we got Otis instead and Lee's, it, Lee's a mixture of all oh, big boy and this is weird. <laughs> uh, but the, the story really was that Smackdown were much more together as a team, but also at a massive disadvantage with the lost man. And that was on full display as they just tried to fight back. Like, unfortunately, like, very quickly, AJ Styles was there cutting Kevin Owens' string of momentum down with a phenomenal forearm to capitalise off the chaos and eliminate Kevin Owens. As soon as that happened, that was it. Five versus three. Didn't stand a chance. And there was just a sweep... Corbin tried and failed to capitalise on that, but Matt Riddle was indeed able to cut him down and instead eliminate the King with a floating bro. A quick fire of Smackdown eliminations. Uh, nearly out himself, after a brogue knee, uh, Jey Uso found himself in the worst possible position after Otis's fire wasn't able to play the numbers game and Strowman power slammed him down. Otis, with a genuine impressive run of momentum, l- launching big... Big heavy lads <laughs> overhead just as a reminder of he, he can wrestle. He just, you know, does the things. <laughs> he just, he can actually. Uh, uh, I saw, uh, saw some people generally surprised on Twitter and I was just thinking. Like, in NXT, like he showed this in NXT. He generally can go like this. So, But of course, the difference is when you see him on the main roster, he's fighting the big lads. So it's even more impressive. Because of course, Otis's time in NXT was before the Keith Lees, the Dijacks, the Carrying Crosses, the big boys. Uh, but here we get to see him against real big boys. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Jay Uso was all by himself, four on one, super kicking his way in desperation, yeah, fighting his way against the odds and really standing his own. Uh, tope over the top rope, what have you. But the numbers ga- game, it was too much. It was the decider. Uh, the odds were just too great. Uso went to fly on top on AJ off of the top, but he was unaware Keith Lee had tagged in, who caught him onto his shoulders and from the carry into the glory bomb. That was an amazing transition. Uh it was a, it was an awesome, great move having Keith Lee score the final four like that, paired with the new theme. It was like it was once again a memorable night for the big man. That's two survivor series in a row where he's made an impression. Uh or been the last man for his not the last man for his team, but involved right at the end. Like I mean the match wasn't much though. Like after Rollins, that was just a smite-down slaughtering so hmm which at the time when I watched it if you watched it as a show in sequence at the time I was like, but if we get a like a genuine like proper survivor series match with all the build with the building anticipation and everything throughout it if we get that in the women's one, then I'm fine with this being swerve angle but no the women's one also ended in swerve angle so oh ugh, ugh. <laughs> Don't do. Don't have both of them <laughs> end up sw- ah swerve angle like uh uh, oh well. uh Also, like the final part, just to talk about, there was a dual brand battle royal for. <laughs> I mean, you know, a match has got a lot of like momentum behind, not momentum, but a lot of stakes behind it, where none of the competitors are announced until the day of, and it's not one of the things where it's a mystery wait to the day of It's Last minute on on the week of the pay-per-view, is going to be Battle royal. On the day of the pay-per-view, we learn any of the competitors. A ring full of people they had nothing for on the main show. It was a fast-paced battle royal with eliminations falling from the get-go. Like John Morrison, right out the gate. Johnny Matrix, just gone. <laughs> He's out there. So fast, it absolutely matched the no-investment level I had going in. Yeah, fi- the final four of Jeff Hardy, Chad Gable, The Miz and Dominic Mysterio. It's no real it's, all the other's one by one's get chucked out at a really quick pace. So you just kind of hurtling towards those final four. The two veterans teamed up to uh, Gable immediately catching and eliminating Hardy. The Miz kicked them both down before getting knocked out himself and we had Gable and Mysterio in an amazing back and forth as they were the fi- as if they were the final two. A damn great showing between the two of them. Uh, the echoes of Angle and Ray on full display. Uh, but after Mysterio uh, knocked out Chad Gable and thought he won, the Miz was back in for the sneaky win. It's like, ah, you silly baby face. Uh, you know Miz didn't go over the top rope because it was a bit of a weird, oh, how's he ended up out there? And then, yeah, you forgot about him. It's your own fault. <laughs> it's your own fault. You, you shouldn't, you didn't remember. Yeah. But yeah, it was a kick-off battle royal there's not really much more to talk about so, yeah. but that was Survivor Series ending on a again a note which I felt it was yes yeah, I would say it was an emotional farewell but my takeaway is like a happy positive memory of it all which is kind of how I it, it's it's nice to have a farewell like that you didn't often get those in wrestling so that was nice uh, then we've got Remember the Dream in McIntyre which I loved but then the main bulk of the show was up down up down and, again, even if I enjoyed the matches, I didn't really feel like the show justified its own existence. And that's at we go right back to the stories that they have been telling. So, eh. Yeah. I, I don't really know how to rate... I don't know, in terms of, did I like this show? I liked bits of it. It was like an episode of Raw. I liked parts of the show. But I don't know if I'd say that I would recommend it. <laughs> I don't know if I would definitely say I definitely enjoyed Survivor Series. Uh, or if it's definitely worth checking out. I enjoyed parts of it. I enjoyed half of the matches. I D- just didn't, didn't enjoy the other half at all. The uh, Undertaker's farewells, obviously. As a wrestling fan, I, I can't not recommend you watch that. Like, like, watch that, <laughs> obviously. The Undertaker, with his grand farewell, big and emotional. I just realised I've not changed the image since Asuka. There you go. There's Bobby Lashley, vs. Zayn, New Day, Street Profits. There's your... Dah, dah, dah. And there's your dual-branded Battle Royal, which we'll end on. <laughs> but still yeah yeah uh, I'm going to go to bed now so yeah it's, four, it's quarter to five in the morning <laughs> I'm ready for bed anyway uh, thank you for watching this link uh, subs- subscribing uh, clicking the bell thing whatever what have you uh, five star reviewing if you're listening on the podcast version whatever you can also donate on Red Circle if you go over to Red Circle in the descriptions there's always a link to donate to uh, Investing Headlines Radio it's still called Laws of Pain Radio over there uh, so we. Yeah. So don't be confused when you see lots of fame. Uh Anyway, uh, what did you make of Survivor series and uh, did you think it was a fitting farewell for the Undertaker? Yeah, did you yeah, but the card itself as well. Were you like me where you were up and down up and down did you did you were you like some of the comments I've seen where they thought this was an awful pay view one of the worst that they've ever done or more like me where's that, but I did enjoy parts of it. So it can't be the worst show I've ever seen. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, I'm going to go to bed, and in a very unwise move, I will be live on Twitch, I say tomorrow, it's like in 12 hours. (laughs) I'll be live on Twitch Monday uh, in GMT time, so it's like the wrong audience. I'll be live on Twitch at like 6pm that time, and uh, playing Shadow of War, PlayStation Plus, been banging through it. And uh, also, I'll plug uh, the Wrestling Shorts latest cartoon, because I've been doing Twitch stuff with him. A site cancel <laughs> from the, uh, from the Twitch coming over to this as I'm signing off. Uh, uh, well, site cancel one of the viewers. Yeah. Oh, awesome to see you come over here. Yes, I'm literally just signing off. <laughs> I'm going to bed. Wind back on the stream. It's YouTube. You can click on the button. <laughs> anyway, with that, I say thank you for, uh, I've, already, I've already done all the thank yous. I'm signing off that much. You can follow me on Twitter at the damn implicat. That's damaging. damn in, damn. You can uh, read my columns on WrestlingHeadlines.net Whenever I post them, you can uh, subscribe to the channel as well. For all, you get my. I'll be back with you for the Monday Night Raw review. Do that. You were four for two on your predictions, Site Council. I, I didn't make any predictions because <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> yeah, and the, again, the paper for me never justified its existence. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, we can talk about it on the Twitch stream tomorrow when I'm streaming uh, Shadow of War. Anyway, I'm going to go to bed. It's about 5 o'clock a.m. (laughs) So with that, I say uh, bid you adieu. Uh, Adios. I've not even clicked on the thing. I've just done an arm movement. Adios, everybody. Adios. Ten... (laughs)